Welcome to episode 319 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Michael, Tanya, Liz, and Deborah. They use the donation button on our website. Thank you, Michael, Tanya, Liz, and Deborah, for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with a seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Before we begin, we would like to state that in this show we represent ourselves rather than any 12-step program. During this show, we will share our own experiences. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer, and I will be your host today. Today's episode is composed of your voices your sharings, your experiences. We'll start with Angie. Hi, Spencer. This is Angie in California. I was calling about the most recent episode about the men in Al-Anon. I had some comments or feedback on a couple of questions that people had at the end. There was one woman that asked about the difference between apologies and acceptance. I really liked your response to that, um, but I just wanted to add that if she is just working the the steps a little bit and not really formally, it might be a good idea to not worry about making amends or apologies at this moment. It might be better to start at the beginning with a sponsor, and then by the time she gets to that step, she'll have a better understanding of amends, where amends are necessary, where living amends are a better idea, where an apology is necessary, those kind of things. I know initially it's, I think people get benefits from the steps, not working them quite formally yet, but to do those more serious things, I think you need to work them in order and with a sponsor before you make any decisions about the bigger things like making amends. Another thing I wanted to comment, I think it was Kelly, who was responding to the uh, adult children episode. I like For me, I am an adult child. I'm also, I've been married to people in recovery and people not in recovery. If she has access to it at an ACA meeting, that would be great. But I would be, I would just add caution to separating yourself in Al-Anon meetings. I know a lot of Al-Anon meetings have many members that are married to alcoholics or have been married. And um, that doesn't necessarily mean that they aren't also adult children. Um, a lot of times people just talk about their immediate issues and not so much about their past. But as you get more deeper, like more into recovery, you'll realize that it doesn't really matter how you qualify, who who's drinking bothered you in your life. It's about your recovery. So you can find that recovery in Al-Anon or in ACA. I know I've lived in some fairly large cities and there were not ACA meetings available. I've actually really never been to an ACA meeting. I've been in the program for, I don't know, 20-something years, and it's always, like, I've heard a ACA meetings, like I've maybe been to one or at an event or something, but predominantly I go to Al-Anon because it's recovery for me and not so much the people who brought me here. And a book I would recommend for Kelly is The Hope for Today. That is the, the daily reader that's predominantly for adult children. It's not an ACA book, it's an Al-Anon book, but it's predominantly for adult children. 
And there is a reading in there that I wanted to recommend. It's October 11th, page 285. When I read that, I see how you can find differences instead of similarities in any situation. So I just thought that was a good reading that fit this. Anyways, thank you for letting me share. Denise wrote, titled, Older Parent to an Adult Alcoholic, to The Recovery Show. I just listened to your podcast number one on setting boundaries. I was very interested. I plan to listen again before going to number two. I feel it can help me. I'm a senior citizen. My son, who is near 40, married and father to two, has a drinking problem. Is there a podcast that would deal with this kind of thing? If there is, which one? I'm wondering if there are some things I can say to him or should not say to him. I've never told him that I am aware of his drinking problem, but I have witnessed him coming home very drunk from events, weddings, etc., quite ill after overdoing it. I'm wondering if I could say some things that might bring him to realize he needs help. I love my son. He stands to lose his wife and children, his job, maybe his life, because of the drinking. Thank you for all you're doing, Dee. And I responded to Denise with some suggestions. Episode 302, titled Jennifer Free from Obsession. Jennifer is a, is a person who is in a similar place, being an older parent of an adult alcoholic. Episode 22, The Parents Roundtable. One of the members of that roundtable has a son who is in his, I think, 40s at the time of recording, still active in alcohol. Episode 287, Mark and Michelle's son is in prison. Talks about their experience with their younger adult child whose addiction took him to some dark places. And I'm sure there are others that would be helpful, but those three came to my mind. Matthew left a voicemail. Good morning, Spencer. This is Matthew in Atlanta. Hello again. Appreciate your podcast. I actually started a podcast of my own in my uh, field, uh, business podcast, and uh, you've been a great inspiration just to have the courage to do that. And the way you, you run such a great, seamless, well-produced show, I hope to aspire to that someday. I wanted to share, get experience, strength, and hope or resources or uh, possible topics. Coping with trauma as a, uh, an Al-Anon member, dealing with attracting toxic people as a survivor. It's it's a challenge for me in dealing with that. I mean, there, there are some side benefits of trauma, which I'm sure a lot of people in the program enjoy, and it's that when you grow up in an alcoholic home, an abusive home, you have to think quickly, creatively, improvise, change, be hypervigilant, react, read other people's body language, and what I've found, and I have talked to other people with trauma that have the same experience, it, it's developed in us almost like boot camp of a higher level of thinking and creativity that some others that may have grown up in a, a you know regular household may not have. So it's sort of like say, with great talent often accompanies great suffering or precedes great suffering. So I, I enjoy those gifts. It does. Sometimes I do attract toxic people in dating, but at work, my work is very visual and bold and cutting edge. I've been doing it for almost 20 years. I do attract people that try to pull me down at work 
criticize me and, and it's often because I think they're threatened by me. It's difficult to deal with that. And uh, I seem to be a magnet for toxic people and other people have observed it. I think that they picked that survivor vibe up. And uh, it's just frustrating for me because I'm a, believe I'm a good person. I come at it honestly. I give my heart into everything that I do, my work and my relationships, and I try to give people the benefit of the doubt. I don't like being a cagey, mistrusting person. So that's kind of a ramble. I don't know that there's anything in that, but just wanted to, to share that. Thank you. Thank you, Matthew. Lisa left a comment on episode 64, Detachment. I'm fairly new to podcasts altogether, and yours has helped me a great deal. Detachment, what a word. Detachment with love? Yes, please. How do I do that? Also, are there any tools for someone whose loved one is a binge drinker? I'm told by this person, AA isn't effective because the need to drink every day is non-existent. Sounds like an excuse to me. I also don't know how detachment works with such a drinker, as there are usually several weeks between episodes. Any advice is appreciated. Thank you for doing this beautiful thing. It has changed me. Sincerely, Lisa. What I said to Lisa is that it really doesn't matter whether your loved one identifies as an alcoholic or not. The question is, does his drinking affect you? Sounds like it does. And in that case, Al-Anon can be of help. Detachment is, uh, as a friend of mine put it, black belt Al-Anon, but it is such a great tool when we get to it. Detachment with love. Liz writes, hey, Spencer and all. I'm an ACAer and had someone recommend your podcast to me, and I'm really enjoying it. I've dipped into about a dozen or so episodes, and I appreciate the clarity and honesty you bring to a 12-step program. I find it inspiring to listen as I walk around the lake, and it helps when I have to miss my home meeting. Thanks for that. Speaking specifically to the Being Heard episode, ACA and other venues have taught me a lot about being able to speak about what is going on in my life. ACA describes the major training growing up in a dysfunctional home as don't talk, don't trust, don't feel. And I had a really hard time learning when it was appropriate to reference someone else in my own story. I used to bend over backwards to not present the other person in a bad light, which made it very hard to be transparent about how I was feeling and to get my needs met. That said, I struggle a bit when Eric told a story about a program mate not speaking at Al-Anon for two years. I'd feel a lot better if Eric's share circled back to what that brought up for him. Thanks for all your work, Liz. Well, thank you, Liz, for your feedback. Um, it is a tough balance. It really is. The Being Heard episode is number 313, if you want to go back and listen to it. Remember, you can listen to any episode by going to therecovery.show slash the number. So, therecovery.show slash 313. Deborah left us a voicemail. Hi, Spencer. This is Deborah from Florida. I just listened to your Walk in the Woods on a Snowy Day podcast, episode 318. What a great reminder that there is so much peace and serenity in nature if we just take the time to see and hear it. As I was listening to the podcast and walking in my Florida neighborhood, which is warm and sunny and I'm surrounded by palm trees, I was listening to your description of the snowy woods, and I was just completely transported back to my childhood in Milford, Michigan, living in a home filled with, you know, the crazy dichotomy of comfort and love and happiness, generously balanced with raging, lying, denying, um, alcoholic behavior, all the chaos. I often, as a child, went for long walks down all the country roads that were all around our home. 
something you probably couldn't do now, but back in the 60s, it was perfectly safe to do that. As a very young child, I had this natural instinct to seek solace out in nature. And and although my mother was often just a rager, she also would wake us up very early in the morning in the winter when she when she wanted us to see what she called powdered sugar snowfall covering all the trees. It was absolutely beautiful. She'd bundle us up and we'd go walking in the woods early in the morning. And as you said, it's a silence that is so absolute, especially back in rural Michigan in the 60s. There was no traffic. There would be cardinals and blue jays just looking spectacular against this pristine white snow. I had not thought of that in so many years, probably over 50. So thank you for reminding me of that peace and serenity. And I I was given that in childhood, and it it saved me from a lot of drama and chaos inside our home. And also reminding me that there were some lovely moments with my mother, uh, despite her untreated, you know, non-Al-Anon survival raging that she defaulted to from living with active alcoholism. To this day, I still find serenity in walking through nature, and that was a great reminder. It's it's such a gift to have that, and it's just right there and available to all of us. So thank you, and thank you for all you do. Take care. Have a great day. Bye. And so did Donna. Hello, Spencer. This is Donna calling. So good to call and share with you my experience in listening to your Walk in the Woods episode. You know, today as I listened, I became your companion, and I can almost feel the droplets of wet snow in the warmth of my own breath coming back to me against like a breezy outside. It reminded me of a poem by Robert Frost, Stopping by Woods on a Snowy Evening. I had forgotten how much I loved that poem, and I reminded myself to go back home and grab that book and open it to that page at lunchtime. And when I found the book, after I got home, I opened it and found an old birthday card. And it was from my son that I lost a few years ago. And in the card, he had asked his brother to be his best man at his wedding, which had occurred maybe 11 years ago. And it was for my my second son's, uh, my third son's birthday. And I don't know why the card was even in the book, but it was such a sweet find in all aspects. And your podcast spoke to me on how our higher power speaks to us. And sometimes it just needs to be quiet enough for us to listen. And in your podcast, I was urged to go find the poem and read it one more time, and I did. And I also feel that this led me to find a little card that reminded me of all my sons and how much I miss all of them. And even though I've lost just one, but also how much I also do celebrate it. When I drove home from work, I enjoyed the podcast again. I enjoyed it. So it was raining in my location, cold and rainy on the streets. But my mind wandered through the woods with you once more, and I so appreciated you sharing that experience. The silence was pretty powerful. And thank you so much for all you do. And Val writes, Hello, Spencer. OMG, can I relate to your walk in the woods on a snowy day? I do have my own area along the Merrimack River here in my hometown of Lowell, Massachusetts. I call this path my Santosha, contentment in Sanskrit, from my yoga practice. To hear and see the birds in the trees and on the river, to maybe see an eagle or heron or a family of ducks, to walk the path with the trees and vines, to enjoy the wildflowers, grass, river, and changes in all with each season, my feet on the ground moving forward, the crunch of the earth, and even the sound of the snow underfoot comforts me. Dodging those muddy areas, it can be a challenge in New England weather. Nature has a way of healing me, refreshes me. 
This comforts me and gives me the faith to believe that things will get better and things are better. I'm a listener for at least a year now. The podcast has helped me in some dark times for sure. The guests, topics, and yes, Spencer, even your voice soothes and relaxes me, gives me hope. We all need hope and a positive message. Today is good. I only ask for that each day. Thanks for all you do, and also to your guests and speakers. Haven't attended a face-to-face meeting, but maybe one of these days. Positive thoughts, Val. And I want to thank all three of you for your responses to that episode, because, you know, I wasn't sure when I put it out it was so different from what I usually do, but seems like it touched some of you, so thanks for letting me know. Diane asks about amends. She says, Hi, Spencer. Thank you for making a difference in so many lives. Please thank your wife for sharing. I've listened to it about three times and plan to listen many more. I heard amends is action, sorry, or words. What do you think? I know that nothing is that simple. Is there a show that expands on that? Blessings, Diane. I looked for episodes about amends and where we might have talked about amends versus sorry versus apology, whatever. And I know that we talked about it in episode about step nine, making amends. And I'm sure we must have talked about it in some other episodes, but I wasn't able to figure out which ones. Alexandra sends gratitude. Dear Spencer and all hosts, past and co and present. For as much of the year as I can, I live in a very rural part of the West. Sometimes it's quite an adventure to get to the nearest town. And there are days most of us don't bother trying the road because of snow, even in these climate change times. And, but I have internet, so my higher power was looking out for me. I came to your show because I could no longer live with my anger. One day, in desperation, I googled some version of angry, grieving help and was directed to this website. I think I started listening to one of the shows attached to the anger search link. Maybe Spencer's talk on my codependency, my body. In any case, all the shows set off a million amens, so I literally could have started anywhere. My people. I nearly jumped up and down. I think I might have hollered, this is it. I am 51, and I needed Al-Anon since conception, or at least I should have gone to Al-Anon instead of preschool. So much suffering would have been averted, and but every perfect painful thing needed to happen for me to be here, and I'm guessing I will be led to step four if I just keep showing up however I can for recovery, and that I can make amends too, because I can already sense that although I must take this step by step, there are some steps that feel more pertinent to my own desire to heal. A few years ago, I lost my complicated, beloved, binge-drinking father. Then, metaphorically, the rest of my alcoholic family blew to pieces, and I am estranged from them. Then I broke off a long-time relationship. I moved out of the home we'd built together and was in shock and grief over all these losses. A few months later, my beloved son died suddenly. It's been 20 months since we lost him, and I am ashes. To say God dismantled me to bring me to this show seems an understatement, but I also know this. I lost my beloved abusive family of origin. I lost the land that raised me. I have a broken marriage and a slew of bad relationships, and I lost my son. But through it all, somehow, somewhere deep inside, I knew if I could just find God, love, acceptance, I'd be okay. What I now see is that I keep trying to force God, love, acceptance. Enforcing such universal, monumental things is not only rolling that stone uphill, as Spencer says in one of the shows, but also hugely egotistical understatement. I mean, it's a feeble attempt at playing a little god. And I am a forceful person, and in some ways, I guess that's why I'm still alive, but that mechanism can get stuck in overdrive. Alexandra, the little god, is a bully. And there I was thinking I was getting things done. 
which I was, but there was a battlefield of bodies and relationships in my wake. Let go and let God. Perhaps the steps, traditions, concepts will all turn out to be equally pertinent, surprisingly pertinent. Who knows? The adventure and discovery seem worth it. Meantime, I already know I am powerless over every damn thing, let alone anyone else's drinking. That's a good enough place for me to start and sit with while I wait for spring. Now is not the time to make the drive to town. And so, I sort of trust that too. Maybe there's a reason I needed this introduction on my own in the crazy cycle of January storms we had. But the dog and I call two meetings a day. He is sober, but is codependent as the next border collie mutt. I build a fire, and we sit down with tea and a candle, and enjoy Swetha's laugh or Spencer's gentle honestly, or we get rowdy with Mary Pearl tea. The healing is real. Thank you. I have been grieving, and if I am honest, I am so angry, and I'm feeling resentful that we live with so few mental health resources. My health insurance doesn't cover mental health, and in any case, there are so few mental health practitioners in our community. We in the Intermountain West are and are supposed to be such stoic people, and we have the highest suicide rate in the nation, in the region. So I think we might all need a little more Al-Anon. I know for myself I have no one I can talk to, really. Not like you do on your show. Although I have close friends, there is also a tradition of getting on with it in cowboy, big-sky, ski-deep country. I exhibit a lot of anger still, and I am suspicious of people, but I can go into the woods behind my home and ski for hours with the dog, and higher power is everywhere, and I feel my son there, and my estranged family, and above all faith. Nothing real can die. I heard that somewhere, and it stuck. I'm still confused about how to be in relationship with humans. I have two wonderful daughters, who are Guru 1 and Guru 2 to me. They reflect my mental health, or lack thereof, instantly. Is there anything more arrow-straight true than a 14-year-old girl? In a way, I think my children have been my higher power until now. I've been so grateful for them, I've learned some kind of love, tenderness, and nurture from them. And, although he is not with me in the way my ego would prefer, I am in relationship with my son. He is ancestor to me now, and that in itself is a sober calling. I continue to cultivate love, boundaries, and support for my two daughters and my precious dog. I dismantle my internalized sexism, racism, alcoholism, all the isms that brought me here from a broken childhood to a vaporized middle age. I wish I'd found Al-Anon sooner, but I think I believed that I don't seem the codependent type. I have spent my entire life in a man's world, often the only woman in a situation. You'd think that might do you good as a woman and make you less vulnerable to the wounds our culture inflicts on us with its sexism. Actually, you just end up fighting like a man out of rage and then crying like a little girl. And don't begin to get me started on the abuse you'll tolerate to be one of the boys and fulfilling every stereotype possible, including watching the men fight and getting them to a bed and putting up with their version of stress relief. I came to your show to get me out of anger, and yet I'm grateful for anger. Anger is the fuel that has often propelled me out of jobs, relationships, and a few really dangerous places. So it was what I needed at the time, some of the time. But in my day-to-day life, most of the time, not. The idea that I can go forward with love toward anyone other than my children is almost more than I dare think possible. But if I put down anger, then the only fuel I can draw from is love. Your show is a lifesaver for those of us living in the literal backwoods and with wounds. I hope I have the guts to get to a meeting in the thaw. In the meantime, may peace, understanding, and love grow in me and in all of you one day at a time. And please know, the dog and I really consider you all friends. So prayers go out to you when we pray, which is more and more these days. Alexandra. Thank you for sharing that. Wow. Krista 
shares about compassion, probably after listening to episode 33, which was titled Compassion. Hi, everyone. It's Krista from Nevada. I just wanted to call and share about compassion. When I first started in Al-Anon, compassion was really one of the hardest things for me to understand or for me to demonstrate, I guess, toward my qualifier. There had been so many years of, you know, anger and disappointment and, you know, just the whole cycle that that would repeat itself over and over again. And I just wasn't, I don't think, strong enough in my program to really understand that at a fundamental emotional level. But I finally was able to come to that place. It, it, like I said, it took me a really long time and I, I used prayer a lot and I would start to look at people in, you know, as though they have a higher power and that higher power is holding them and guiding them the best he or she can to be the best he or she can be. And so for whatever reason, that person is struggling and that's the, the way that I was finally able to do it. Once I was able to really find compassion for others, I, it took me a long time to realize too that I wasn't having compassion with myself. And so once I really started to have compassion for myself and realized that I really had done the best I could too with what I'd known at the time, then my life really started to change and my recovery really started to kick in because I was able to really forgive myself and allow myself not to be perfect or not to beat myself up when I wasn't perfect. I mean, I still have the tendency sometimes to be hard on myself, but I think I use the same sort of strategy as I've spoken of before. I just focus really on being grateful for everything that I can be and on small success, I always focus on small success. And when the small success adds up to big success, it's really rewarding, exciting. And it's just a much easier way to go than counting all the mistakes. So I hope everyone is having a great day. And thanks for letting me share. Thanks for your share, Krista. Jack writes, Hi, Spencer. First of all, huge thanks to you and your co-hosts for the time and efforts in producing the Recovery Show podcasts. They have been a lifesaver for me since I started listening a few months ago. I need some advice regarding loved ones going to rehab to help them deal with their addiction and live a drug, alcohol-free, happy life. My husband was recently diagnosed with severe depression and admitted himself to a local psychiatric care hospital, which has saved his life. His behavior over the past two years has grown increasingly distant, angry, hopeless, and over the past few weeks he has expressed suicidal thoughts. Thank God he didn't make any attempts to take his life. So he's been at the hospital since last Wednesday and is scheduled to be released on Sunday or Monday. His behavior has been so similar to that of an alcoholic. He's not an alcoholic, but is a work-slash-foodaholic. Never sure when he would come home and how his demeanor would be. Angry, okay, hopeless, suicidal. This caught me off guard, since I was in total denial that he was depressed slash suicidal, since I didn't want to admit that he was mentally ill. I wanted to believe that with all my experience in dealing with alcoholics in my life, I would see the warning signs. I also thought that I was immune to the effects of alcoholism in my daily life, since my alcoholic parents are long gone as a result of their addictions, and my two alcoholic brothers live 1,500 miles away, and my interaction with them is very limited. But no, I'm human. 
And when my husband yelled at me, he never yelled at me before, will you shut up and effing listen to me? That was a huge wake-up call. He expressed this the night before he checked into the hospital. I am hopeful, but also very much on guard, knowing that he could relapse, the thought of which scares me shitless. How do you mentally and emotionally deal with your life when she was in rehab, and what tools did you use to maintain your serenity? Have you done an episode on this topic, and if so, which one? Thanks for listening, and thank you for all the work you do with the show. Warm hugs, Jack. Yeah, there's a number of episodes out there that that could be helpful. There's one titled Relapse, episode 59. There's episode 70, Living with Alcoholism or Addiction. From my personal experience, I worked this program. I worked this program as hard as I can, and that helped. Karen says she's new to Al-Anon. Hi, Spencer. I wanted to thank you for all you and the team do. My loved one started his recovery program four weeks ago. After dropping him off at the airport, I came home searching for some way to take care of myself and learn about Al-Anon. I found your podcast, and I've been listening to as many as I can every day. I've been to the three weekly meetings we have in our small town and reading from the books as well as doing the workbook. My loved one is coming home next week, and I woke this morning with uncontrollable anxiety. So many questions. Are there any podcasts that you can suggest that might help me with all these feelings? Thank you so much for all you do, and I'm looking forward to this new journey. So a similar list here, um, living with alcoholism or addiction, number 70, relapse, number 59, chaos, episode 45, uh, maybe. Any of the step one or powerlessness episodes, such as 160, powerlessness and power, number 259, Mary Pearl T on step one. There's a start for you. Alina left us four shares. Hi, my name's Alina. I just wanted to share on episode 47, which was about change. This is something that I always struggle with. I'm so like comfortable in my comfort zone and not wanting to like, you know, go out of that box. Um, I know sometimes I don't mind doing new things or different things, but I have to take it slow for myself. You know, I know I've been reading a lot about impermanence and how nothing lasts forever and, you know, trying to focus on that and being grateful for good things and bad things things that happen in our life aren't permanent, whether they be good or bad, you know, whether we're dealing with something that's causing anxiety, if we're sad, if we're happy, uh, frustrated. But recently, I guess the change that I'm having problems with is with my qualifier. And I realize what the problem is on my part, when I look at it from my perspective, is that I'm not really I'm setting boundaries, but I'm not keeping them or holding them or, you know, I'm always breaking them, it seems. And I don't even realize that I'm doing it. I feel like, I guess in my mind, I was thinking, well, I'm just being, um, I'm compromising. I'm trying to be this, trying to be that. And what I realize is in the end that I'm really breaking those boundaries that I set forth in the beginning just to avoid conflict or anything like that. Recently, you know, he, I would say in the last few months, four or five months, he's taken on a new position and, you know, the time that we have isn't the same anymore. And it took me a while to get used to that. And I never, you know, blamed him or anything. I'm proud of where he's gone in his career and stuff like that. But I guess I, you know, it took me a while to accept it. I'll admit that. And I wasn't in a good place and, 
you know, but once I did accept it, I think I was a little more positive about things, but I guess where I find myself now is, you know, I'm making the best or the most of the time that we do have together. But for me, I need like that time to be quality time. You know, before we had a pretty good amount of time and it didn't matter if it was being, you know, lazy and not doing anything, you know, watching movies or whatever, or if he was on his phone, it didn't really matter. But now that we don't have that time, it just seems like I want it to be more quality time. And I know that I've voiced it before and I think that he maybe didn't take it the right way. And so it kind of caused conflict. And now I'm finding myself in that same position again. And don't get me wrong. I have things that I put my self care first. I'm, you know, going to the gym. I'm doing a meeting when I can. I'm doing the podcast even more. I talk to my sponsor. I'm meeting with her. I'm working on my 10th step, trying to get through that. I reach out to my Al-Anon friends and just trying to stay in that positive moment. And, you know, it's not a hundred percent, you know, I'm always working on progress and focusing on that. So anyway, that's where I'm at today. I want to just put first things first and, you know, take care of myself and hopefully that'll work itself out. I know that, it, you know, it's all about change and accepting it and nothing lasts forever. So I know it's just for today or just this moment I can do it. So anyways, um, thanks for the topic and I appreciate you guys. Thank you. I just wanted to share on episode 48 on the 10th step inventory. You know, this came at a perfect time because I'm currently working on that step, you know, with my sponsor and I like the idea of, you know, when I was reading and doing these questions about, you know, taking a personal inventory and I don't know if it said basically every day, but I've been trying to do it most of the week and just jotting down like my feelings, how, you know, what I did wrong, how I dealt with it, how I felt and just sending that to her. I find that when I send these to her and I'm actually like writing or texting this out, I don't know. It just seems like it sinks in a little more about, you know, where I'm at in my recovery and how I'm dealing and handling with certain situations. So I did like this topic. You know, I find it really interesting. I guess I never really realized, you know, what my part in a lot of stuff was. And, you know, it's just hard taking a look at yourself sometimes. Not that I want to focus on other people. I just tend to, I don't know, just not feel like what I'm going through or what I'm doing really matters, whether it's good or bad. So I really like this topic. I think it, it definitely helped me to, you know, become closer to my Al-Anon friends and also to my sponsor. And, and I really liked what everyone had to say on the topic and, you know, taking an inventory and thank you for letting me share. I just wanted to share on episode 50, which is about step 11, you know, sought through prayer and meditation. I guess when I was listening to the podcast, I was realizing that I really don't do a lot of praying 
right now I'm currently working with my sponsor on step 10. So I guess this is something that I can look forward to. One thing that I do happen to do in the mornings is I always set a time about 10 minutes in the morning just to meditate. You know, I find that it does calm and relax me and kind of gives me like an inspiration for that morning or that day. And then, you know, I feel like it's something to look forward to as well. And I do tend to share that with, you know, my sponsor, like how I'm feeling about it or cause there's always a topic, you know, included in that meditation. So I usually share it with my sponsor or my Al-Anon friend for sure. And, you know, a lot of times it can relate to what I'm going through. Sometimes it's like, you know, eye opening and it kind of puts me in a good place, I guess, for the morning and, you know, something to think about and, you know, inspire me to be a better person or, or handle things a certain way. So, you know, as far as the prayer goes, you know, I, I kind of always think of let go and let God and, you know, depending on what certain situations I'm going through, whether it's at work or at home or with my qualifiers, I tend to pray for strength a lot and guidance. And, you know, I always ask my higher power to like hold my hand and get me to the place I need to be. So anyways, I really like the topic. I look forward to maybe when I work on it with my sponsor, go through that step. I'm hoping to get more insight on it, but it was good to hear this topic. Anyways, I appreciate you guys, your shares, and I appreciated the podcast. Thank you. I just wanted to share on step 51 on first things first. I could really relate to this podcast topic this time around. You know, I've been going through stuff recently and I liked how, you know, it makes it a little more simplified and you know, when things seem so big and something seems so overwhelming, just remembering like first things first kind of puts things in a better perspective for me and I don't feel so overwhelmed. You know, I realize one of the things that I tend to do is get really upset about a situation or something that's, you know, out of my control. And I worry way too much about what other people say about me you know, whether it be at work or something or, you know, my qualifier. And I think basically I get offended, even though it wasn't said directly to me, but I realized it's some, you know, it's like gossip and I just can't stand it. And I know that I get really uncomfortable when like a family member or a friend or even coworkers tend to gossip. Like I don't want to even be around it. It makes me feel extremely uncomfortable and I just think that, you know, it's not a kind thing to do. And I know that occasionally, like, I second guess myself, like, was I gossiping? You know, was I doing this? Was I doing that? And I have to catch myself. But definitely I don't do it ill-willed or, like, I don't do it, you know, to cause harm or hurt for anybody else. You know, I've always been considerate of other people's feelings. So I think that when somebody talks about me or says something behind my back or I find out about it, I get really upset because I'm thinking, you know, I would never do that to somebody else. I feel like if they cared enough, they wouldn't do that. But I know that that's just me and my mind going crazy sometimes. And 
you know, my words in my head just stirring around and, and it does make things worse for myself. So I do understand the concept. What somebody thinks or says about me is none of my business, but it's really difficult. I know that putting first things first is important. And I recently, I had an experience that, you know, I realized that the boundaries that I set with my qualifier, I am proud that I set them, but then I don't really enforce them. And I find myself like giving in or making a choice that I later feel resentment towards them. And, you know, putting first things first this time, like around, I realize, you know what, I can, I don't have to like explain myself. I can just, if, if I want time to myself or if I want to clear my mind or, you know, do something for me or not be around something chaos or negativity, I can pretty much say, let's catch up tomorrow or let's talk later or, you know, and I can just tell them, you know, I love them and I hope they had a good day and we'll talk tomorrow. And I don't have to explain myself like, this is why I'm not getting together with you. This is why I'm not talking to you tonight on the phone, or this is why, you know, I'm going to stay home or whatever it is. It was challenging to do it. And I could tell that there was a little shift in the conversation when I wasn't so easily or readily available. And I took care of myself. I did what I wanted to do. It was really, really nice. Like I, you know, I do that in the past before, but never to this extent. Maybe the more I keep doing it, the easier it'll get. And I won't feel so bad because I'll admit the first moment that I did it, I really felt bad probably for like 30 minutes. I was like sitting there going, I'm an awful person. Like I'm not being completely honest. I'm not saying what's on my mind. I'm just, you know, but I know that after 30 minutes, I kind of was breathing and just trying to stay in the moment as far as, you know, not dwelling on the future too much or anything like that. And I just got through it and I felt better and even slept well. And then the next day I was like in a, just a really good serene place. So I definitely love this topic. It came at a really good time and, you know, putting first things first for me is, you know, taking care of myself and doing what I need to do. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Alina, for sharing your experience, strength and hope. Tracy writes, I recently listened to an audio recording of Dawn C, episode number 171. I really enjoyed her talk. I'm serving on a committee for the 2021 Indiana State Al-Anon Convention. We're searching for our speakers. I want to ask if there's a way to contact Dawn C from Chicago. I hear so many good speakers, I just don't know how to contact them directly to get them to speak in our area. Any information you can offer would be great. Thanks for hosting this show. I don't. I don't know how to get in touch with most of the speakers that I share on the show. They're what we call speaker tapes that I get from a variety of sources and usually not somebody that I personally know. But I figured, you know, there's a chance that somebody listening knows Dawn C and might be able to get in touch with me so that I can forward her contact information to Tracy. So if that's you, please send email to feedback at therecovery.show. Thanks. Jen wrote and asked about the daily meditations that are mentioned in our early episodes. Swetha wrote those, most of them, and when she left the podcast near the end of 2013, I just wasn't able to keep it up. 
There's one more thing that I was able to do. Kathy O. sent a couple of voicemails. Hi, Spencer. This is Kathy from California. And since there are more than one Kathy's that I've heard of, I'll say Kathy O. from California. I just wanted to share my favorite acronym with you would be the acronym for FEAR because I was raised in an alcoholic household. My whole life was propelled and driven by fear, and thank God I found two uh, recovery programs that I qualify for, Al-Anon and ACA. When I first heard the an acronym for fear that was false evidence appearing real, that just struck a chord in me, and I realized how fear-driven my entire life was and how it would overtake any kind of sensibilities in my life. So everything to me was false evidence appearing real in the beginning, certainly, of my recovery. And then the next acronym I heard for fear was F for expletive, everything and run, and I realized my whole life that's what I've been doing as well. Fight or flight, but mostly flight. Mostly I tried to run as fast as I could from everything that scared me, and almost everything scared me, so I was constantly fleeing. But my favorite acronym for fear now is face everything and recover. And I can only do that with the help of a power greater than myself and my two beloved fellowships and the people in them of Al-Anon and ACA and, of course, podcasts like yours that help me in between those meetings. So thank you for everything you do. Bye. Hi, Spencer. This is Kathy O. from uh, Southern California. And I just want to thank you for your um, service, and I love your podcast. I have a 60-mile drive to work that, fortunately, I only have to make usually once a week. But you're my meeting in the car, and um, it keeps me balanced. It keeps me sane and adds another meeting to my or two to my week, one going to work and one coming back. I also wanted to share, I know it's late because I just listened to your podcast about men and Al-Anon and I never um, had the chance or made the time to share about that, but I just wanted to say I really appreciate hearing a man's voice in meetings. I love the podcast on that subject because uh, I grew up in a very male-dominated culture And so I did not hear much sharing of any sort growing up from men, nor were my three brothers, nor were they ever encouraged to share. So I come from the rule, don't talk, don't trust, don't feel. But that was even more evident with the boys. And I saw that to be more difficult with the men of the culture that I grew up with. And then I married a man from a different culture from mine, but also male-dominated. And so I didn't get to see that vulnerable side of men sharing more from their heart that I get to hear in Al-Anon. So I really appreciate that perspective, and it's really helped 
need to deal with this deep sense of fear of um, males and looking at that, dispelling that that whole idea that uh, men should be feared because they're, you know, the stronger sex. And I don't feel that way when I hear men share. I realize, you know, the feelings in mine are very similar. Our circumstances may be different. Our experiences are different, certainly from a, a feminine and masculine way of living. But when you get down to our souls, we have a lot of the same components, all the same components, actually. So I just wanted to share on that. And thank you, Kathy, for that. Jessica sent a song suggestion, she writes, for users like me who are into punk rock. It's a song by Blink182 called Not Now. Starts out, Come here, please hold my hand, Lord, now. Help me, I'm scared, please show me how. And sometimes that's all we can ask, isn't it? In this section of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery. How have we experienced recovery this week? For me, this has been sort of a rough week. I was fighting off a cold of some sort. I still have the remnants. You can probably hear it in my voice. And I had to travel and to spend three days in New Jersey working with a team there that I'm, I'm helping the team lead who is having family issues and not able to always be present. And so I went down to to meet with the team to understand what they're doing, to meet with the individual people there so that I can be of support to them from here in Michigan. You know, I was a little concerned that I was going to be flying with what seemed like a developing cold. As it happened, it was just there at a sort of a, a medium level. I was not hugely stuffed up. I was not sneezing and coughing all the time which made travel possible, but it still wasn't pleasant. But it was something I had to do, you know. I did my best to take care of myself while I was traveling and before and after. And then on Saturday, I just said, this is it. I'm spending the day taking care of myself and not doing anything else. So I did not make it to my Saturday morning meeting. I basically spent pretty much the whole day lying down. That helped. That really helped. Sunday, I felt much better. Today's Monday, and still, as you, as you, as I said, still a, a little bit there. But so, in consequence, because of basically taking Saturday off, and really, a Sunday was full of stuff. I thought, you know what? I have so many contributions from you, my listeners, that it's time to do another episode on your voices, which I'm titling "More Voices." So thank you all for sharing so much and supporting me in this in this time. This weekend, I'll be recording a show with a listener who stood up and said, I'd like to be a guest host. So we'll be welcoming her story next week. So that's what's coming up. You can call and leave us a voicemail at 734-707-8795. You can use the voicemail button on the website to join the conversation from your computer. You can record a share in the voice memo app on your phone and email it. 
or you can send plain old email to feedback at therecovery.show. We would love to hear from you, share your experience, strength, and hope, your questions, your topic suggestions. Our website is therecovery.show, which has all the information about the show, including notes for each episode. You can play the podcast from the website by going to therecovery.show slash whatever number episode you're interested in. Things that were mentioned in the episode, I try to remember to make links in the notes at therecovery.show slash 319. Also coming up this year, a couple of conferences slash conventions that I will be attending. There is the Southeast Michigan March Roundup, which is in Detroit, Michigan, the weekend of March 13th. Uh, My wife and I will be attending on Saturday, March 14th. We have other commitments on Friday and Sunday that prevent us from being able to attend the whole thing. If you're planning to be there, drop me a line, feedback at therecovery.show, and maybe we can meet up. That would be a lot of fun. We are also planning to go to the AA International Convention, which is also in Detroit, Michigan, the weekend of July 4th, 2020. And we will be there Friday through Sunday. Again, if you are planning to attend, I'm not planning like a specific meetup, but if you want to get together, it would be great if you wanted to talk a little bit about your experience at the convention and I can make a show out of that. Or if you just want to come and if you just want to say hi, again, let me know feedback at the recovery.show and we can make plans. And if you are thinking about attending the international convention, I highly recommend it. I haven't been, friends have been, my wife has been to two so far. And there's a full Al-Anon program as well as a full AA program. The experience that I have not yet had, but I'm looking forward to, of saying the serenity prayer with you know 50,000 people in a stadium before a meeting. It's got to be awesome. So think about it. for listening and please keep coming back whatever your problems there are those among us who have had them too if we did not talk about a problem you are facing today feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode may understanding love and peace growing you one day at a time